1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. PI Magazine is the most respected magazine of the professional investigator, featuring
0: stories and articles on current topics, equipment reviews, investigative tips, and practical advice for the professional investigator. Don't miss a single issue of PI Magazine.
3: Subscribe today at PIMagazine.com. Use this show's promotional code for your special discount at PIMagazine.com. Subscribe today. Use promo code Nancy for your special discount. That's promo code Nancy.
1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. We refused to believe it was a shooting um,
0: until it just kept going and going. And then Chase and Aldine left the stage and then everybody started fleeing. And we started fleeing. We, we had to haul the gate to get out.
2: Kind of like a, just a firework something that
0: you think normally happens in Vegas and then it just started going pop,
2: pop, 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 pop. through investigation and response we determined there was a shooter on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay.
4: I had no sense that we were in any
1: danger at all. It felt so safe. No one will ever forget the shocking massacre at the Vegas Mandalay. Now, in another stunning development, Mandalay Bay Hotel owner MGM is suing the victims of the Vegas massacre. Over 1,000 victims of the massacre at Mandalay Bay are being sued? I I, I don't understand. The victims are being Sued. Let me understand that. Uh, with me is Randy Sutton, retired Vegas police lieutenant, host of Blue Lives Radio, and founder of the Wounded Blue, Brian Claypool, our friend, L.A. lawyer, a Vegas shooting survivor, co-founder of Route 91 Strong, and representing Vegas shooting victims, Lisa Fine, Vegas shooting victim and co-founder of Route 91 Strong, Dr. Carol Lieberman, author and therapist of Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, and Ellen Kaloran, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. Excuse me, Ellen, do, what, do I have this sentence reversed that the Mandalay owner is suing the victims? shouldn't it be, the victims suing Mandalay? Have I missed something, Ellen? You're right. It's unbelievable.
4: It doesn't seem like it, sh- it makes sense, but that's exactly what's happening. Um, and what it, what it seems to be is that MGM Resorts International is doing this as kind of a preemptive strike. To They're not counter-suing. They're, the, the thousands of victims that are affected by this lawsuit, most of them haven't even taken any legal action. So what MGM Resource International is doing is sending a message that,
1: we're not going to cooperate with anything, any liabilities that you think that you have. Sending a message. They're sending me a message. It'll be a cold day in H.E. Double L before I stay at the Mandalay. Mm-hmm. And I'm planning a trip to take John David and Lucy back out there to see who is it, Alan? Who's the magician that does all the stunts?
2: David Copperfield. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, yes, him, him, him. You know, John David, the magic tricks go on and on. He attacks whoever comes to the house with magic tricks he loves david copperfield he saw david copperfield blah 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 well i'm not staying at the mgm i'm just putting it out there randy sutton brian claypool lisa fine ladies first lisa (laughs) fine vegas shooting victim when did you find out the mandalay i guess is suing you
4: yeah i found out a couple of days ago and i was completely disgusted i i started receiving a lot of messages calls from our applicants for our funds we offer financial assistance to gun violence survivors and they were just horrified and it re it was like being re-victimized again and i just i take the calls a lot for the applicants that come in and so you know i was in the kill zone along with brian claypool my co-founder and i know firsthand what it what happened and we We are here for those gun violence survivors, and they are just up in arms, and they are refusing ever to participate in anything that MGM has anything to do with.
1: I I can't believe it. Brian Claypool, you know I'm a crime victim, and even to this day, the murder of my fiancé so many years ago, it kind of runs my life in a way. It, It affects decisions I make regarding the children, my husband, everything I do, where I live, how I live, everything... Because it could happen again. That's the way I'm in bunker mentality all the time. You and Lisa were there, Brian. You've told me your story and how this has messed your head up so badly. How did you find out the Mandalay is suing you?
5: Yeah, who, Nancy? Uh, it was very odd. I, I was actually conducting a press conference the other day uh, for the family of a 10 year old boy who was murdered. Uh, by his mom and a boyfriend because uh, DCFS failed him. And right after the press conference, uh, one of the local TV stations came up to me and said, hey, while you're here, can you comment on the Las Vegas lawsuit? And I was just in complete shock. I was like, "I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, they're suing you and all the victims. And uh, I, I just about passed out. And I was scrambling to try to figure out what's the bait. What, hey, why are they doing this? And B, what is the basis
1: for it? I can't believe it. I've I've, uh, suffered through lawsuits before, and it's an agonizing ordeal, especially when you think that you have done nothing wrong at all, much less, for instance, you and Lisa, living through a mass shooting, escaping with your lives, and now mandalay bay sues you with me randy sutton retired vegas police lieutenant host of blue lives radio founder of the wounded blue randy uh, i'm stunned randy sutton
2: well you're not the only one that's stunned i can tell you that the entire las vegas community when they read that headline um were just as stunned and just as disgusted and I can tell you that the sentiment um, locally here is, uh, is really anti-MGM. Now, keep in mind that, that the MGM is one of the largest pro- uh, casino property owners in the, in the state. They wield an enormous amount of power. But what we're seeing here is the callousness of American business. And um, this is uh, this is unconscionable, Re, literally re-victimizing uh, these people that, that lived through living hell. It's, it's horrendous. Hey, Nancy,
5: this is Brian. There,
2: I
1: there, was just coming to you, Brian. Go ahead. They're suing dead people. Did you know that? No. They have
5: sued deceits. One of my, my uh, the mother, I represent a mother in Alaska. She called, called me in tears. Her son's been sued. He's dead. They're also now going after attorney fees for the wife of one of the Las Vegas police officers who was murdered in the shooting. There's a hearing on August 15th. They're seeking $80,000 of attorney's fees now against the wife of the police officer who was killed in Las Vegas. The lawyers for, for, uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is just, this is, uh, uh, everybody said it. It's re victimized, it's re traumatizing everybody. It's unnecessary. And, and and one quick point I want to make on on a legal issue is that there I, I thought about this. Their argument about using this this safety act is not going to win for one big reason. I finally figured this out and previewed it on your show, is because the security uh, that Mandalay Bay hired or MGM hired, it was at the venue. They they hired this company CSC at the venue. Well, the cause of the shooting has nothing to do with security at the venue. There wasn't a shooter that jumped over the fence and got into the venue. It has to do with internal security that's unrelated to an outside vendor at the Mandalay Bay. What failed is the internal security at Mandalay Bay. And, and, and they didn't hire uh, CSC to do that. And, and internal security is not certified by Homeland Security at the, at the Mandalay Bay.
1: They're going to get shot down. I'm just stunned. Dr. Carol Lieberman, forensic psychiatrist, how does this compound the agony of these shooting victims?
3: It is unconscionable. It not only triggers PTSD that they already had from being victims of the shooting, but anyone who is uh, being sued has their own set of psychological uh, stress just from the process of being sued, and so they're they're compounding it in lots of ways. And also, this is a message that they're trying to send to any other victims out there who are thinking, who haven't gotten around to getting a lawyer yet, but who are thinking of suing them, you better not do it or you're going to be sued. It is despicable. You know, when you think um, Stephen Paddock was one twisted, evil guy, but here... Um, it's hordes of lawyers and the and the you know the upper brass of, of the hotel and MGM and I mean you know in other words it's not just one person um, running a muck it's the people who have thought this out and who have gone through a, a detailed legal process and all that to to hurt people and to hurt the victims. And I think that we should call for a boycott of not only Mandalay Bay, but of anything MGM.
1: To Brian Claypool, our friend and colleague, high-profile L.A. lawyer. Brian, how has this lawsuit affected you after what you lived through at the shooting?
5: Yeah, yeah, Nancy, I've had to relive the the, the entire shooting again. Um, I was in therapy on Wednesday. I'm still in therapy uh, once a week, my, my, you know, Carol's right on top. Yeah. Look look, up until getting this announcement the other day and Lisa will echo this. I I have, I have still continued to struggle, um, you know, you know, trying to get through each day. Uh, mundane tasks are hard for me, like getting a handle on my, like writing bills, for example, sometimes getting out of the house, my energy level is seared. And and I still have the problem I was dealing with even before this announcement. um, I still have these catastrophic thoughts all the time. I feel like I'm living that movie, you know, that movie Final Destination. I I, every time I I, I get a stomach ache, I feel like I'm going to end up with cancer. I get a headache. I'm getting an MRI because I feel like I might have a brain tumor. So my life is already in chaos. I think I'm, I'm 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 still destined to die sometime in the near future, and then I've got to get this news that now, not only me, it's a double hit for me because I'm a victim dealing with a lawsuit, and then like Lisa said, I have countless clients, Nancy, calling me, emailing me from across the country, like Carol said, traumatized, they don't know what to do, they're being sued now, they have no clue what to do, what do I do next, am I going to go to jail, am I going to pay money, it's just horrifying, it's a bullying tactic and intimidation that we didn't need. We didn't sign up for this.
1: But Brian Claypool, you're the lawyer. How does this tactically help MGM? I mean, how does it stem future lawsuits? I don't get it because right now there are already over 2,500 lawsuits against the MGM. How does this help them?
5: Well, what, what, what they're trying to do is, it, it, it's a Hail Mary. Okay, they, they know that they're facing a potential mountain of liability. It could be a colossal you know, financial hit for them. So what they do is they come out, it's kind of like a, what, what's it called, like a, when you get, you know, blindsided in a fight, you get cold cocked, like from behind. So that's what they want to true. They do. They want to try to take down the victims before the victims can take them down. And They're basing it on this, this nebulous law uh, in 2002. They, they basically want to get the, take the first punch. But what they've got to now factors, what's, what, what's the collateral damage? that that we that Randy's already talking about. It's gonna be immense and it's even gonna be worse if they lose on this argument. They now have re victimized everybody and they're gonna lose some
1: Well yeah. MGM is citing a federal act as Brian just pointing out from two thousand two that says companies are protected from liability, you know, from fault. ...if they use, quote, anti-terrorism services to help prevent and respond to mass violence... They also claim the security they hired, which was Contemporary Services Corp., was protected from liability and certified by Homeland Security to handle acts of mass injury and destruction. They say, MGM, that that should protect MGM from liability as well. Now, that act that Brian Claypool is talking about, it defines terrorism as an act that causes mass destruction, injury, or other loss. Huh. This shooting has not been ruled as a terror attack. And authorities are saying the shooter, Paddock, appeared to have no terrorist connections or political motive at all. He was just a freak. The FBI and Vegas police have not determined his motive. They're still investigating. And that's why that's so important that we get his motive because if it's terrorist related, then this statute will kick in and relieve MGM of liability under that 2002 act. But let's talk in real terms. Lisa Fine, how has this MGM lawsuit affected you? You already lived through the potential loss of your life. Yeah, it it is. Now this. You know, witnessing a mass murder alters the
4: chemistry of your brain. You don't sleep. You have nightmares. Anxiety times a 100. And it's like, we'll never be the same. The fact that they allowed a monster in the Mandalay Bay with 26 bags of weapons, then he shoots down monster from heck. He is, he is out of control. Then they sue the people that they, al- that they allowed this monster in to kill. It makes no sense. I'm disgusted and sick. And I don't know how to, I don't even know how to process all this. We're, we are completely devastated.
1: Did you know about a recent law that could leave your personal data exposed online for anybody to find? If you've turned on the news lately, you know the Internet has created a dangerous new world. Data breaches expose private information. There's a new cybersecurity threat every other day. And criminals can sell the identity of you and your family on the dark web. It's time you take the power back by using a new website called Truthfinder. Truthfinder allows you to find out exactly what information exists about you online. Have you gotten a speeding ticket, received a lien from the IRS, forgotten about an embarrassing social media profile? Truthfinder searches through millions of public records, puts all that data together in one easy-to-read report. Members get unlimited searches, so you can also look up those close to you and make sure they're not hiding something from their past. You also get free dark web monitoring to make Truthfinder the ultimate tool in identity protection. If your personal info appears for sale on the dark web, you'll be the first to know. Visit truthfinder.com slash Nancy. Enter your own name. Get started. The Mandalay shooting rocked the nation. How could this happen? Thousands gathered to hear a Jason Aldean concert outside the Mandalay Bay. It's a luxury resort in Vegas. It's a real destination, a beautiful facility, when suddenly a hail of bullets. Nobody even knows which way to run. Thousands of bullets. Why doesn't anybody uh, identify the source? Because it's high above, where the shooter is perched in the Mandalay Picking off his victims below at the Aldine concert with me, Lisa Fine, who survived the shooting. Brian Claypool, who survived the shooting. Together, founding Route 91 Strong. And Randy Sutton, retired Vegas police lieutenant, host of Blue Lives Radio, and the founder of the Wounded Blue Foundation. Lisa, you were describing how... This lawsuit filed by MGM, as Mandalay Bay owners, against the victims has messed your life up all all over again. What do you recall of the night of the shooting, Lisa?
4: The night of the shooting, um, before the shooting took place, it was the most incredible atmosphere. Energy was off the charts and people were beautiful. I've never felt more connected at a concert in my entire life in one moment, I heard a pop, pop, pop. And in my head, I thought, that's a gunfire. And I begged my friends to get down, get down. And they kept saying to me, it's not real bullets. It's not real bullets because your brain doesn't want to believe that you're about to get killed. And we just, I said, stay down, stay down. What I witnessed in front of me is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. Witnessing mass murder, right before my eyes, listening, watching, and then later crawling through the blood of these beautiful people that I had just been celebrating life with is the most disgusting act of violence and evil that I've ever seen. And we had to do something. That's why Brian Claypool and I came together and founded Route 91 Strong, because to us, it we will have to do this the rest of our life because we lived and they didn't. We have to live with that
1: for the rest of our lives. Brian Claypool... I, I just can't imagine what everyone is going through. I mean, I had it bad enough with one murder to deal with. Yeah. And but being on the scene of a mass murder. Yeah, you can relate
0: to this with your with, with what happened to you with your, your husband. And, and then another thing you can relate to is you have kids. You know, I have an 11-year-old little girl, right? I'm a single parent, and I love being a dad, and I want to have another child, right? But imagine if you were at that concert, right? I was there, my birthday was the following Tuesday. So I decided last minute to go out to, to Vegas. I like country country music. And I was staying, by the way, on the 26th floor of the Mandalay Bay. So when I eventually got back to my room, I, I could look up and see paddocks blown out windows right above me. That's how surreal it was. But imagine this being apparent. And then all you're going from relaxing to all of a sudden hearing sounds that you think initially are fireworks. And then what I did is I... I started looking at Jason Aldean's face. I was a little bit to the left of the stage, and I was looking at his face because I was a little bit worried. Because I looked up in the sky, and I didn't see any any residue from fireworks. And he kind of stuttered when he was singing when when that first this first sounds popped. But then then there was a second round of pops. And when I saw him put his guitar underneath his his um, the cup of his shoulder and ran off the stage, man, I I, I went I, I I it was just complete panic. Because I knew at that time something horrible was going on. But I will tell you this. If I was, you know, the first round of bullets, you know, I was trying to duck and, and trying to lay down. Um, I, I fully expected to die. There's no question about it because of the pop, 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 pop. I mean, you just felt like the bullets were right on top of you. You could hear the bullets. You could hear them pinging. You, I, I just expected to die. Then when there's a little gap in the shooting, I went from I'm going to die to, man, I am really – I've got to live to see my daughter. But then I said, if I live, I am going. Okay, wait a minute. Yeah.
1: Wait a minute. You're just totally, you're you're killing me right mm-hmm. now. Because the thought of you, Brian, I mean, you and I go way back, mm-hmm. of you laying there on the ground with bullets ringing out. All and right. all you can think about is trying to get back to your daughter. That- I mean. Yeah.
0: But, but, Nancy, you know what that triggers? It triggers post-shooting guilt. In other words, in other words, because I had a talk with some people at the survivor meeting about this. Because there was a, there was a guy I met there who invited me, a guy named Taylor Winston. Taylor was a hero. If you, if you look him up, he actually was a former Iraqi vet. He was at the shooting. He actually grabbed a truck that had keys in it and started transporting some bodies to the hospital. So when I
5: hear his story,
0: I then kind of spiral. Because I feel like I didn't do enough, but this gets to me having a daughter. In other words, I saw people down. Excuse me. I didn't. I didn't feel like I did enough because I was trying to get back to my little girl, whereas other people did more. So I'm dealing psychologically. I'm seeing a therapist. I'm trying to work on that aspect of it too. So that's that's the demons that I'm dealing with post-shooting.
1: you got to stop. You've got to. I'm so glad you're seeing somebody with survivor's guilt because you were trying to protect the thing that means the most to you, your child. And I also don't like people attacking Aldine for leaving the stage because when you are confronted with death, you act instinctively. He wasn't standing there thinking, oh, what's going to look good with my PRA? You know, that's not what it was about. It's about saving your life. So I really resent people attacking the survivors because something kicks in. And I just am still imagining you on the ground with the bullets ringing out. How did you get out of there? And what, what was it like? What was going through your mind? What was everybody else doing?
0: Well, I mean... I mean, it was like, it was pick your poison. I mean, death, death was, death was definitely at your doorstep. And, and, and i I'm, what I remember is thinking, so when the first round of shots were go, was going on, like I said, I thought I was going to die. Then I went from I'm going to die to there was a little break in the shooting Then I'm like, Oh my gosh, I was feeling my body. And I'm like, and I was covering the side of my head while the shots were going on. And believe it or not, it was so surreal. I was pulling on people's pants. Like, like some people were still standing. I don't know if they were just in shock. I was, happy. I was trying to pull people to come down. And then, and then I'm like, "Oh my God, I'm still alive!" And then, then I started running. And I saw people down. And then I was like, running actually in the in an open area, which was not good. And then what happened is there was a really heroic young Hispanic man, um, and he said, "Get out! Of, you're you're in the line of fire. Get out. Come over here." And then there was this little area like under this little small bleacher to the left of the stage and he goes come in here this is before the second round of shots right and i go in there and i'll never forget seeing like five or six like young lady like young ladies they must have been probably about between 19 and 22 and they were just on their knees crying hysterically like praying like all in a corner like in this little area so i tried to calm them down and said you know I said, it's gonna be okay just you know, I didn't say, right, just say, just be, just be calm. We're gonna get through this. I said, but we've got to get out of here when this next shooting stops. Because then I started thinking about the Pulse nightclub shooting. You see what I mean? It was like, it was like, okay, okay. I thought, I thought, okay, okay. Wow, we're protected now. But see, what people don't understand, Nancy, we didn't know where the shooting was coming from. So everybody Monday morning, quarterback says, "Oh, it was just up in a hotel? What are you worried about?" We were thinking it was people right across the fence. I was right next to the fence contiguous with las vegas boulevard so while for a moment i thought we were safe inside that room i was starting to panic and i prayed i was like oh my god a big shooter comes in here we're done right we're toast because we got nowhere to go so that then the the next round of shootings going on we're just we're we're, and i think you can relate to this being a mom you know i'm a middle-aged man so i felt guilty that these young girls were going to die so i instinctively stood in front of them. I'm really proud of this because I didn't feel like I did enough, but I felt like I was protecting them. I stood in front of them and didn't even get behind this barricade I had pulled in front of them. I stood in front of them because I was kind of feeling like, look, if this dude comes in here, then he can shoot me first because these girls are younger, right, and they haven't lived enough of life. So I stood like right in front near the entrance of the door and then there was another break in the shooting and I'll never forget the most surreal moment. I peeked out the door And I literally am facing the Manalay Bay, looking right at the Manalay Bay. And then there was a really brave police officer across the fence who saw me, and he screams out, I'll never forget these words, run north now, run north now. North meaning go further away from the front of the venue. And then, of course, I start, like, running north, and then I'm like, what about the girls, Right. So I did a quick three sixty and ran back in the room like, Let's go, come on. Let's go. We gotta get out of here and then started going toward the back. But Nancy, what people don't get is the entire time you're trying to exit, you're waiting to get hit. In other words, we were then of them were waiting to get hit from behind. Like like we're waiting, like like we had to wait for people to try to get out, but the whole time you're you're expecting to get hit in the back because the shots are still going on. So and then eventually kind of had to calm people down to get out of this one little small four-foot exit. And I just said to people, if you're going to fight, nobody's going to make it out of here alive. I tried to really just say we've got to all get in a single line and try to get our way through. And then, you know, praise God made it out.
1: Dr. Carol Lieberman, when you're listening to Brian Claypool... It's just overwhelming, Dr. Carroll.
3: Yes, it really is. And Brian certainly brought it to life. I mean, you could still, I think we all got chills just hearing it. It was still so raw in his mind.
0: Let me tell you the second thought I had after I survived through that first round of bullets. I said to myself, I am effing upset about this. And if I live, I'm going to get to the bottom of how this can happen and then do my part It kind of galvanized my godly purpose in the world. Why am I still here? I'm still here now because I'm representing a lot of victims in this case. We want to try to prevent this from happening again. So I'm focusing more on what did the Mandalay Bay and MCM do wrong in terms of horrible training, having little or no security at all, allowing them to use the freight elevator, not having an alarm in the window. somebody's drilling holes in the window, not arming the security guards, things like that, the barricaded door, not doing anything about that. I'm focused, I'm galvanizing my focus on how could this happen in a civilized society with people that really care about safeguarding people? To me, the issue is about greed eclipses public safety. And I want to break up that culture of money, money, money at the expense of keeping people safe
1: so that's my focus i want to hear about when you finally when you were running you you're crawling along army crawl the shots are ringing out you try to protect those two young girls the guy says run north now you start running everybody's running i can't even imagine what that was like brian
0: yeah it's uh What 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 people we talked about this at the survivors group where a lot of our 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 our, the trauma that we're dealing with is is what's called disassociation. If I, I speak for me, I'm I'm still dealing with this. Carol knows probably what I'm talking about. Disassociation, Nancy, means that I'm more disconnected now from the average folk on the street because I don't feel like they can really relate to what I went through, right? For for example, like what we were talking about earlier, which is, like, I I feel comfortable talking to you. You have kids, you kind of get it. What people don't get, for example, is I don't know where, I didn't know where the shooter, here's a good point, shooters, I was just going to say shooters. I thought there were several shooters. We all thought, people I've talked to who were in there, this was a mass terror attack. We thought terrorists were taking over the city of Las yes. Vegas. Okay. This I, this is, upsets me. It angers me because I'm so sick of people minimizing what I went through. Oh, you weren't standing over there where most of the people were killed. i that there. Yet a person was killed 30 feet in front of me. I saw it when I read through the investigative report. Oh, well, it was just a guy shooting up in the hotel. Are you freaking kidding me? And thousands around? I mean, every move you made... You thought you were going to get hit, but we thought people were coming over the fence. Imagine your terror then, Nancy, is magnified tenfold. You don't know where this is coming from. And every move you make, your body, that's the, 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 to help you have a vivid understanding of what I went do. Every move I made, I thought could make the, be the difference between life and death. And and even when I got out of the venue, just to finish the story, I end up at the Tropicana, and I'm standing there and I'm breathing and I'm like, oh my, I think I'm still alive. And then all of a sudden, there's an announcement, there's a scream, there's a scream, another shooter. And then we're we're told there's an active shooter shooting in the Tropicana, and then had to rush through the Tropicana and saw people's clothing, sweatshirt, shoes on everywhere throughout the casino. Okay. So this went on for hours and hours.
1: To Randy Sutton, retired Vegas police lieutenant, host of Blue Lives Radio, founder of the Wounded Blue Foundation. Randy, here's your chance. What do you have to say to MGM and Mandalay Bay? <laughs>
2: Well, what I have to say, you wouldn't want to put on the air, quite honestly, Nancy. Oh, um, I think I would. That's where you got <laughs> me wrong, Randy. <laughs> well, um, I, as, as a law enforcement professional, um, was very proud of, uh, of the law enforcement and first responders. Um, and they themselves are dealing with some incredible trauma as well. Post-traumatic stress is, is a true killer. And the fact that this me- mega corporation is so callous, cares so little about the people that were victimized here is, is an indictment of, of, the, uh, of the corporation, of the, of the uh, lack of humanity. And, um, and I, I quite honestly hope that the calls for boycotting MGM properties is heated. Um, they have destroyed their their from their corporate greed, which is all this. You know, this all based on money. This is all based on money. This has nothing to do with the humanity of what took place. This is all based on cash, and that makes this this even worse. And uh, and I personally and professionally uh, feel that uh, that there needs to be. Um, there needs to be justice done here. And the only justice that they are concerned about is
1: their pocketbook. Truer words were never spoken, Randy Sutton. Back to you, Brian Claypool, you survived. How has it affected your family?
0: Yeah, so here's what I'm going through, Nancy. <clears throat> and and I, I, I read a post the other day that really helped me, uh, Deal with this trauma. It it it, the post on Facebook was, or it was in the survivors group. It said, "True courage is complete vulnerability." Think about that for a second. True courage is complete vulnerability. You've gone through this in your life with the tragedy you had. Okay, that's how I've chosen to deal with this. From that's why I've spoken a lot about not only the shooting, but what I'm not afraid to say what I'm going through. Okay, and here's what I'm going through because I need to be vulnerable. For me to get my courage back, because I'm a little bit beaten down from this. Here's what I'm experiencing: catastrophic thoughts. For example, and I know you're going to get sad hearing this. And I'm on the freeway, and I get this thought as I'm driving in, in the I'm driving in the carpool lane, right? Carpool lane's close to the median, and then you have traffic coming on the other side of the freeway. So a week ago, I'm just driving with my daughter in the back seat, and then a thought comes over me that a car is going to hit me from the side, fishtail me. And push my car into the other lane of traffic, and a truck is going to smash our car, and I'm going to watch my daughter die and me to kill. So these are – so things are happening in my world. I had a nightmare about an earthquake. An earthquake was happening, and my little girl and I are rushing to get out of the house as the ceiling is falling on us. That's one thing that I'm going through, catastrophic thoughts. <laughs> Excuse me, the other part of it. Is I'm very much more antisocial now. Um, I don't really like being around people much. I don't really trust people anymore. I don't really feel safe anywhere I go. I kind of always constantly looking around my shoulders wherever I'm at. I don't trust anybody. And and then I think the biggest one of the biggest things for me is 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 I feel like part of my soul was killed. I told people this. I might not have been physically hit by a bullet. Part of my soul died in that shooting, so I'm having struggles with the daily routines of life. In other words, I, you know me, I, I'm, I'm, I focus on my law firm, or I, I take care of my daughter first. I, I keep my business going, but I got to tell you, the everyday tasks of getting my bills paid, finally getting my car to the car wash the other day, having tons of stuff in my car that I hadn't taken out little things in life that you think you knock out one two three have become really really big tasks for me because i just don't feel like i have the steam to do it
1: you know what's interesting brian is that i don't know if this is good news or bad news to this day and keith was murdered a long time ago i to this day i joke about it a lot And I joke about it with the other parents at school and the teachers. And it's kind of a joke to them. But I will go to the school at all times of the day and drive by. And I make a joke. I'll call my husband on the phone or um, I might have Alan on the phone. And I'll go, he'll go, where are you? I'm driving through the twins' school. I'm just making sure they're not in lockdown, you know, that everything's okay. Ha, ha, ha. I'm not kidding and i still have the nightmares i still everything it, it it affects you for the rest of your life now i've gone on i function i mean there've been periods of times that i really couldn't and all i had was prosecuting or my my job but having your daughter it it it's healing because you you have to get normalized you have to for her you know you know brian yeah
0: yeah thank you for that guidance.
3: i just wanted to say brian you know that those are classic symptoms of ptsd right
0: yeah no you're right carol i'm, I'm treating um with a therapist i'm seeing her on a weekly basis and i yeah i that's what that's what she's she's she's
2: diagnosed
1: here's another thing i learned brian i learned that it affects your whole world like you know after keith was murdered i went on i met david i couldn't let myself marry or be happy or Mm -hmm. or Love anybody, and that's why I was so crazy mean as a prosecutor all those years. I mean, I looked at everybody, and they were like, "If I let this guy go on a theft, he could get out and shoot somebody. Then it's on me." Oh, hell no! He's got to go to jail. Mm -hmm. And everybody, if they came to into my courtroom, was just like, "Whoa, is you?" Because that's where I was coming from, and I I couldn't move forward. And you know what? What it ended in is me. And Lucy almost dying in childbirth because all those years I couldn't let go and be happy and have love. I couldn't have love because in my mind it was wrong. You know, I still love Keith and I couldn't let go. And as a result, you know, because of my delay giving birth so late in life, you know what? Lucy almost died there. So it it affects every. It seeps into every part of your yeah, life. Yeah,
0: Nancy. So thank you for sharing that. By the way, I really thank you for sharing that because you just validated something that I'm I'm I haven't really publicly mentioned this, but I, I'm going through something similar to what you're going through. Um, I, you know, I'm still single. I want to meet a woman and get married. I'd love to have another kid, even though it's later in life. But for me, I, I even before the shooting, I had issues. My mom died when I was little, really, really little kid. Breast breast cancer. My dad was alcoholic, never around. I was basically orphaned as a kid and uh, raising myself and my little sister. And so I've never had a feeling of trusting a family foundation. I've always, you know, I, I ruined my relationship with my daughter's mom. I should have gotten married. I couldn't trust. I already had trust issues with marriage, right? Trusting this could be a safe place for me. Then the shooting happens, and now it's like, I tr- you know, I tried to go on a date. I was just so disconnected from the whole thing. I'm like, now I'm feeling like, is am I ever going to, maybe I will never have a family now because I just can't, I can't try. That's what I yeah. thought.
1: That's what yeah. I thought. But I'm begging you, I'm begging you, don't do what I did. That's my message to crime victims all the time. Don't stop your life like I did. Don't that's if I had just been able to just move forward I mean yeah I well
0: believe it or not that part actually helps me being involved in this litigation um and helping these victims uh you know I've got a a woman who lost a loved one her son was killed she lives in Alaska (coughs) excuse me I've got about 15 people that have been physically injured in the shooting and I've got about 20 people that are suffering from PTSD. And I have to tell you, Nancy, every single client that I represent in the Las Vegas shooting, it's an honor and a privilege to be representing them because I feel like I'm going to get answers through representing them in this case and being at the forefront of this case. And then that is going to be therapy for me to, 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 in other words, carry out what my godly purpose is in surviving. So that Mm -hmm. is actually...
1: You'll ring me Lisa fine Vegas shooting victim you already lived through the potential loss of your life okay now this our applicants that apply for our financial
4: assistance through route 91 strong.org are in in a dire place they are at the rock bottom they've ever been after witnessing this mass murder and we have applicants that have lost their jobs. They're about to lose their homes. Some have lost their homes. They send us their eviction notices, and we give them immediate financial assistance to save them and their families from being on the streets.
1: Lisa, wait a minute. You know, people may think, oh, they're malingering. That's not true. After my fiancé was murdered, I couldn't think straight at all. I could not. Oh, yeah. And I dropped out of school. I lost my job or quit my job. I don't know. I just didn't show up. Nothing formal happened. That's why you're passionate. Where I was, um, I worked at the library at my uni- Mercy University. I just, everything stopped. Yeah. I mean, the last thing on my mind was trying to study or go work at the library. I couldn't even think. I couldn't even eat. Yeah.
4: And so God, it, I feel your soul. I feel your soul. Oh, yeah. Our applicants, they are at the rock bottom they've ever been after witnessing this mass murder. They're on suicide watch. And then this, if any of those um, applicants of ours died you know, take their life because of this, unbelievable.
1: Brian Claypool, I want to hear your message to other victims of the Vegas shooter that managed to survive.
4: Yeah, thanks,
0: Nancy. Um, my message would be take the time to understand and crystallize why you survived. That's what I, that's what's getting me through this. I've gone from why me, why am I alive, to what am I going to do for the rest of my life to make a difference. Now I'm on the impact part of my life. So I would encourage survivors to tr- amid managing their trauma, like Carol said, the PTSD, try to figure out why it is you have these precious remaining years left on this planet and and, and make a difference and impact people in this country in any way you can that's my best message
1: randy sutton brian claypool lisa fine dr carol lieberman and ellen Kiloran, nancy grace crime stories signing off goodbye friend Did you know a recent law can leave your personal data exposed online for anybody to find? If you've turned on the news lately, you know the Internet has created a dangerous new world. It's time you take back the power by using a new website called Truthfinder. Have you been issued a speeding ticket? Received a lien from the IRS? Did you forget about an embarrassing social media profile? That info may already be online. Truthfinder can help you find it. Truthfinder searches millions of public records, assembling the data together in one report. Members get unlimited searches so you can also look up those close to you and make sure they're not hiding something. Visit truthfinder.com nancy enter your own name. Get started.
0: From BBC Radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
2: I thought in that moment
4: Zinn nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zinn fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen.